Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. We'll, we'll begin today. I, I need to... Uh, I'm, I'm, the prayer that I'm going to have for today... It kind of comes out of Job 5, 16 through 18. And, and, and it's not necessarily that it's a prayer, but it's what the Lord has for me today. Uh, th- this, this message has kind of sat upon my heart. And so we have to know and understand what the Lord has said in this. And so I'll use Job 5, 16 through 18 as a, a descriptor in one way. It says, so let the hopeless have hope. Isn't that good? Let the hopeless have hope. Because this is what we are. And, I love this, and unrighteousness must shut its mouth. Whew. But, but yeah, they, they don't have it. I didn't give it to them because this here is just supposed to be prayer. Um, I'm, I'm supposed to be praying, so I didn't even. It says, behold, how happy is a man whom God reproves. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he inflicts pain and gives relief. He wounds, and his hand also heals. And so, Father in heaven, we come before you today. Father, we put ourselves on your operating table. We ask, Lord, that you come into our hearts, that that you make those incisions and those corrections, that you continue to do the work that you planned for us from the beginning, beginning, that we are a reflection of Jesus Christ. Father, that the two of us might become one. We thank you, Lord, that we will lay aside our flesh. We will lay aside our agendas. Father, wound us today. We ask you to reprove us because we know how much you love us. Father, we thank you that that we will crawl willingly. We know it's the only way we get corrected is by our will. Lord, we willingly submit ourselves to you and your word today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, we'll begin, and welcome to anybody that's online, um, that's not you, uh, but if you're, if you're online, I want to welcome you today, and, and I want to welcome everybody that's here, because, like I said, this is, there's so, he, he weighted on my heart so heavily, I mean, it wasn't gas, it wasn't down here, it was up higher, so I, I actually know in prayer, but man, did he, did he put it on me today, um, and so that these words will come across as they ought. Um, as the Lord was having me say it was that none of this would be personal, but everything would be personal. Because the things that we have to touch today are, we can very easily get personal with. Just, I mean, this is a forerun. If you're not realizing, I'm soft serving this to you, so you know that something's coming. Um, but, uh, but anyway, but but that's what we have to do. This this we're going to get into some nitty gritty, and nobody's going to want to hear. The definitions and, and things from the scripture in, in, of our fle- in and of our flesh. We won't. But it, it has to be stated. So we will begin now with, I will start with a review of what we have. So in, the, in our review, we looked at two now of our three contents that I will be able to cover. As far as infillings or contents of us in this dish called me. Um, the, the, the first was living water. 
and just write my intro or read my intro. It's better that way. As a believer, we must have four revelations of living water. The first revelation of living water that we need to know is that we need to know that we are a gift to the world. The second revelation that we needed to know is who we are. The third revelation of living water that we needed to know was what you possess, which is eternal living water. Ah, it's, 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 it's amazing when we, if we pause and meditate on these things. The fourth thing that we need to know is that you can always give it away, and it is the answer to every problem on the planet. These waters gush with abundance from our belly or our heart, and they are from everyone who calls on the name of the Lord for salvation. That's where they came from. This is the new birth experience that you received living water. The second content or infilling that we looked into was the fruit of the Spirit last week. This also was given upon the confession of Christ as our Lord. Again, this is only at salvation, or not only at salvation, you receive this at the point of salvation. This is just what you became in that moment that happened when you cried out on his name. This fruit did not replace our personality, but amplifies its expression. This nine-faceted fruit cannot be falsified by the enemy. He may be able to think, you may be able to look like joy, but he doesn't got the other eight. He may be able to look like he has peace for a moment, but he doesn't have the other eight. He cannot operate in what is called love of God. He doesn't walk in that spirit. He gave that spirit up. He was contrary to that spirit. So he cannot walk in the nine gifts, or the nine, the fruit of the spirit. And so, um, this is the expression of the very character code of God. It is pure love. Releasing this content conquers the nature of the flesh as it is the flesh's antithesis. antithesis. Eh, whatever. I wrote it right. Uh, <coughs> you wonder how I make up words. I just don't pronounce them correctly. <clears throat> Walking in the Spirit vanquishes the triple curse from the earth. As it reconciles the world to God. That's what it does. And remember how we talked about reconciliation. Our love walk, our spirit walk, never is vengeful. It never endeavors to get back at. It only desires to get back to. That was reconciliation. We use the four steps that we had of a reconciliation that we found in Daniel. We hear... Isn't that good that God heard us? He heard our cry. Then, the next step was forgiveness. He forgave us. He loved us when we were unlovable. Then, after that point, the, the third step of that step of reconciliation was to listen. Does he hear your prayers? Has he continued in the endeavor to reconcile us to him? See, he heard the lost, fallen, dying world... Then he had to forgive it. Then you have to listen to them and create an action plan on how you're going to get back to them. And so true reconciliation comes. We first hear. Has anybody ever done that? What you do is many times you're walking along and you hear something. So you're like, oh, stop. 
if you're a hunter, you always, you know, or whatever. But people will do this. They're like, oh, did you hear that? Something's beeping in the house. And then what do you do after you hear? Then you listen intently. See, that's how these, that, that's how these um, relationships get restored. First, we heard that they had a problem, right? We hear that they are living in a fallen world. And so then we stop and say, hey, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. This is the love of God. Now let me listen to what you actually have. And we will create an action plan that will get you back to God. See, that's what he does in our relationships. That's what we need to be doing in our relationships. But so many of us are stopping halfway at the point of forgiveness and not going to the point of listening. And then we never get to the point of full reconciliation, getting back to somebody, what was actually broken and missing. Okay, so today is the third content of this dish called me. We're going to begin, I'm just going to read from my main text, which is Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So how else were we designed outside of those first two? We're going to look again here into our owner's manual, the Word of God. And, and, and let's look into, it just slid on me. We'll look into our owner's manual here. And, and uh, that's uh, part two. Let's get back up here. And we're going to find out what we have. Let's, uh, I'm going to read, yeah, Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says this. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. You are the temple of God. Well, that would be describing the dish, so that's not what we're after. We're talking about the contents. And so, what's in the content of the temple of God? The Spirit of God. Okay? Um, 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19 actually says this. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. The Holy Spirit is in you. Okay, so here, here's the, the breakdown on these two. Um, verse 16, or verse, chapter 3, verse 16 refers to the collective body of the church. That first verse that, that we first looked at there. That's a collective body of the church. In, in 6... Uh, 19, it says that, that your body is a temple. So now it specifically takes it down to us as a physical vessel. This is what we'll be focused on today. I'm not going to look at it as the corporate body or temple of God, okay? Just, just for clarity as far as where we're going. Um, so this is a third section of scripture uh, that Paul has penned in similar fashion, this is very interesting. We looked last week at Galatians 5. Um, there's a section, if, if you want to jot this down, this would be totally for your own um, study. If, if you want one, there's one in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through chapter 5, verse 21. I did not touch this, but Ephesians 4, 17 through 5, 21 is almost the exact same 
scripture and thing as a context of Galatians 5. And today, we're going to go into Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3. So I have three writings by Paul that all have a similar layout. They have a similar storyline. They sit side by side. And so what you got last week, you're going to get again. Just in a different place in the Bible from a different church that needed to be talked to. Right? Is, I mean, it's interesting that the problems don't change though, right? It doesn't matter our skin color. It doesn't matter our ethnicity. It doesn't matter which church you come from. You can be a Galatian, an Ephesian, or a Corinthian, and you can still have the same words of wisdom from heaven that will change your life. And so... I'm going to look at this here. Uh, predominantly today, I, I, how the Lord did this, uh, he wants me to do it out of the Passion Translation. So there's a pattern here, and last week I'd called it a cookie. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I said that there was this, the wonderful cookie. And so this cookie comes with, and I'm just going to, this is the spoiler alert, so just know that it's coming. The cookie starts off every time with the crumbly top of a problem. That's how it is. Paul's answering, hey, they have a problem. So he notes the problem. Then he gives you that cream-filled, delicious center, you know, of that cookie. And uh, he tells you how this problem can be overcome. He gives you the solution. But the thing is, every time he's given you a solution in all three of these contexts, in all these chapters, um, Every time he gives you the solution, he follows it up with a warning. See, the thing is, is a little medicine is good, but what happens when you take it all? Mmm. Mmm. So, the great physician knows how to operate on people and knows how to work on these things. So, he always puts on the cautionary tale, what it is. And so, with all that you're going to know, I mean... When your kids are little, you can teach them what a hammer's for to drive it into the nail, right? But when you let them take that hammer through the house, do they apply it the same way? <laughs> Things change that aren't supposed to change, right? And so we have to realize how to utilize the tools. And so in that and in saying that, we'll begin today in 1 Corinthians 3, and just listen to the heart of Paul. This is amazing to me. 1 Corinthians 3, this is the Passion Translation. It says, Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you were still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ. Anybody feeling good right now? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. And because you're immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with solid food or more advanced teaching, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food. For you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Okay, are you ready for where we're going? 
Just listen to these words. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh, and behaving like unbelievers. For when you divide yourselves up in a group, a Paul group, an Apollos group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. Anybody picking groups? We can repent. We can repent of our groups. If I was going to bounce just for a second, you can bounce to chapter or verse 21 of this, and it says, So don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader, for actually... You already have everything. It's been given for your benefit. See, he's talking about Christ. But we keep pledging allegiance to leaders. We keep looking under these different people. And not to God, first and foremost. And we're immature. It's milk. We got to get past it so we can grow up. I'll back back up. Yeah, I mean, and this, this continues. I mean, it's a couple chapters long. It's further than what we're going to go into today, I'm sure, to sure of it. But uh, I'll go back to verse 5, which is where I left off. Well, I'll start with verse 4. For when you divided yourselves up in groups, a Paul group and an Apollos group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. Who is Apollos really, or who is Paul? Aren't we not both just servants through whom we, you believed our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned to us? I was the one who planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it. But it was God who caused it to grow. This means that the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters. For God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Did any of us get anybody saved? Did we fill anybody with the Spirit somehow? Did we then why do we pen it in our list of things and accolades that we do? Are we trying to steal glory from God? Just a question. Verse 8, Now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team. But each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he's building. I love where he goes now with this analogy. The house he's building. This is who you are. You are the house he's building. God has given me, this is Paul, a unique gift as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. So think about this. Paul. So who, each one of us has our own identity. You're some, Paul in this point says, I'm a skilled master builder He's, who lays a good foundation. That's what Paul does. Paul lays a good 
foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman, maybe an Apollos or a Timothy, he comes and builds on it, so builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. See, you don't get to build the house. If you build the house, you labor in vain. But if God builds a house, this is really good, this is really good. Okay. So builders beware, let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, that exists which is Jesus Christ. The quality of materials used, and we're going to do a little bit here, the quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation will soon be apparent. Whether it has been built with gold, silver, and costly stones, and I'll pause right there for a second. So, can anybody on this planet produce anywhere gold, Silver or costly stones? Where are they found? In the earth. Who put them there? God. So the only person that can create gold, silver, and costly stones is from God. Next part of this verse says, Or wood, hay, and straw. Man... Can anybody plant a tree or a field? Can you create wood, hay, and straw? You can. You've been given the ability to do this. So if you need wood, you can just go out and create something with the works of your hands out of the talent and understanding that the Lord's given you but you can do this. And what happens, though, in that the work will soon become evident, for in the day it will become clear, because it will be revealed by blazing fire. The fire will test and approve the workmanship of each builder. If the work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If we put our, our created talents and things that we have outside of God into the building, what will happen? Because we are going to build it with wood, hay, and straw. It will be burned. How do people respond when they get burned? Immature. You know why? Because they only looked at themselves, and it came from themselves, and I gave them everything that I could, and I forgave them, and I, I did this, and I did that, and I, I created, I built this family, I built this business, I built this church, I, 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 and a fire comes. A consuming fire. And everything falls apart. Because it wasn't built from heaven. It wasn't built from gold, silver, and precious gems. 
If, a wor- if his work stands a test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by fire, he will suffer great loss. It's going to hurt. Now, the truth. Has everybody built something out of wood, hay, and straw? Have you felt suffering of great loss? Come on. So, you know what you said? You did something as a child. You did something immature. You did something... So, how do you learn? Has anybody ever became a a teller and never made a mistake? Folded clothes, got a job, washed dishes for, I mean... The first, time, the first few times you do this, I mean, what do you have? You need somebody that comes by and reproves you, lovingly corrects you, gives you guidance. Why? Because they believe in your future. I believe you can do this job. I believe that you can wash dishes and not make them, you know, leave them dirty. I believe that you can mow the yard. I believe that, that you can hold to these things. I believe that you can teach this class. I believe that you can hold yourself to this position in life. I believe that you have the ability that God gave you that when you uh, sowed into this world and brought forth children that you can become a parent. Not just a daddy or a mama, which would be something that means that you birthed it from you, but a parent is somebody that actually raises a child. And so, we find ourselves looking at these things, and we know that we've all suffered loss. As I told my oldest many times, I make all my mistakes with you. (laughs) I... I get down into this, you know, I go four levels deep, I'm doing better. (laughs) It's like, I'm sorry, but this is better. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not trying to be mean here. It's just that when you do something over and over again, you can get better if you will take reproof and correction. Because... You ever played, (laughs) Lord, I was this guy. So my basketball shot, if anybody ever, I'm right-handed and left-eye dominant. So that means that my ball has to, it has to come over this eye and off of this hand. Right? I mean, that's, so it comes one, two, up and over, one, two, up. You know what? My percentage Stinks. Because everybody else says it's supposed to go like, what? They don't care which dominant eye I have, but I do. You know, because I'm going to... But then, what does that do for the person that does a layup with their other hand and their right eye dominant? Oh, crud. You mean people can overcome this? How? How? Maybe they practice with perseverance and endure so that they can get to the blessing. And you know what they take? Correction all the way through. So we find ourselves. It's okay to suffer great loss. Does it define you? No, God defined you. Our future's been defined. (laughs) 
Oh, the next part of the, I, I'll back it up just a little bit because this is a very tough verse. This verse fourteen: If his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by fire, he will suffer great loss. Yet he himself will barely escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burning house. Many believers, their salvation will be maintained, but all their works are lost. This is, this is many believers are going through and they, they build unto themselves wood, hay, and stubble shacks, you know. And when it comes down to, they will escape destruction. They're going to heaven, but there's no reward with them. And our goal is to be everything the Lord, every time I look at the Lord, when he designed the temple and the tabernacle, when he designed his cities, when he put those things, and if I care about it, if I went all the way back from the garden to the end times of Revelation, I mean, I can see the garden, I don't necessarily see it, except for how he described how he created like Lucifer, jewel-encrusted being, if you would. Gorgeous. Trumpets coming out of him. Sounds and melodies. I mean, just, that's the created. And then when I look at Revelation and I see streets of gold and gates of pearl and foundations of... What does God want you to build? Has he changed from beginning to end? Or does he want you... This is the thing. It says that... That, that in the, we will take off our crowns and we will cast them at his feet. What happens if you have no gems, no silver, no gold to throw at your master's feet? When that time of sacrifice and worship is there and you're bringing your garment of salvation and you never even picked up a robe of righteousness. So we got to grow. Verse 16 and 17 here starts to tell us a little bit about our, uh, the solution. This is kind of a problem. All we're seeing, though, is if we remember what our problem is, our problem is, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves? Do you quarrel? <laughs> Did that just pale all of a sudden? You're like... <sighs> Lord, have mercy. Don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary and the Spirit of God makes his permanent home in you? Did he lie on that word permanent? When is he given up residency? Never. Now if someone desecrates God's inner sanctuary, God will desecrate him. For God's inner sanctuary is holy, and that is exactly who you are. But I don't... Wrong voice. Wrong voice. Wrong voice. Wrong voice! You are holy. You are holy. Holy. As you can sit in that presence of God, holy. As you kneel before the throne, holy. As you come to him in prayer, you are holy. 
As you minister and he ministers back, you are holy. You are fellowshipping in intimacy. You are holy. You can cry out with the angels and know that you're above the angels as you are holy. So we see that and then it says this. He says, this is simply the solution. You didn't meditate on what's within you. And you didn't know who you are. That's why you acted immature. That's what it was. Because you didn't realize that the Spirit of God has taken up residency permanently on the inside of you. And then verse 19, so why fool yourself and live under an illusion? See, We've lived under this illusion. This is something that we have. Now, how do you get out of being foolish and and having an illusion? You need knowledge. Right? Until you know, can you change? Or do you feel like you're insane and continually doing the same thing over and over again, getting the same results but expecting a different one? We find ourselves beating our heads against the wall, saying, I'm trying to be a good husband or father, or I'm trying to be a good steward of my money, or I'm trying to be, and, and we consistently walk up against that wall, and we're beating our head against that wall over and over again because we're suffering an illusion. We need light of revelation. And that light of revelation dwells on the inside of us as a spirit of God. And he speaks, and if you look into John 14, 16, and 16, 16, I think is what they are, in, the, in, in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, it tells you the very uh, d- job description of the Holy Ghost. He leads you and guides you and shows you things to come. He teaches you. He brings things to your remembrance. We have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. We must, we are demanded that we must rely on him or we are only alluding to things or foolish. It says that, make no mistake about it, if anyone thinks he is wise by the world's standards, he will be made wiser by being a fool for God. You will never walk around a wall quietly and then shout at it. You will never step out on water. You will never get a whole bunch of jars and start pouring oil. You will never lay your hand on a sick person to see them recover or a dead person to see them raise up. You will never do these things if you walk in the wisdom of this world. But if you walk in the foolishness of God, you will see heaven on earth. And that is not a foolish place. But it is a place of great counsel and mighty wisdom. And he always receives his answer because he is the answer. Verse 19, for what the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness in God's eyes. As it is written, the cleverness of the know-it-alls become the trap that ensnares them. That word trap, actually, it's kind of funny. It's kind of like, anybody hear about the monkey traps or whatever, excuse me, 
Where they talk about the jar that they'll bury or a coconut, they'll cut out a hole, and they'll put some rice or a trinket or something shiny into, and they'll reach into that thing, and they grab it, and then they're ensnared by it. Why? Because they can't let go. That trap is a slippery, nasty little trap. And the know-it-alls, their cleverness, they'd never get out. Their family is still in bondage. Their finances are just a wreck. What is going on? I know how to do this. They grab that bitterness of their past and never find healing. They picked a side in a quarrel. I'll just touch that real fast. In uh, chapter 4, verse, uh, can't even see it. Anyway, 5, there we go. <laughs> uh, it says, 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, So resist the temptation to pronounce premature judgment on anything before the appointed time when all will be fully revealed. Instead, wait until the Lord makes his appearance for he will bring all that is hidden into dark, in darkness to light and unveil every secret motive of everyone's heart. Then the whole truth is known and each will, rece will receive praise from God. Do you have to pick a side? Is neutral a gear in your car? But I need you to pick a side. Don't you agree with me? If I want to side with the enemy on this, I'll pick it. I'm not going to get into your quarrels. As we stated about living water, it's always the answer. And the temporary situation is not the problem. Your eternal life is. And the thing that gets us into our problems is not following God. That is what gets us into our problems. We are just not following God. And so it doesn't matter what our finances look like at the time or our marriage or, or our business or jobs or all these things. The real problem is... We're not following God. And so we keep getting stuck in that jar of that moment. And we can't seem to get away. And the answer is our free will that says, Lord, I'll cast that care. I gave it to you and I'm free. I thank you. I do not know how you're going to do it. I don't know if you want me to extend a staff over the waters because that makes no sense. But I, I don't care what you tell me to do. I mean, I guess if we want me to take the city, I, I'll just have to go around the backside because the backside must be better than the front side. But last time you told me to go to the front. But it doesn't matter when you take the city, the victory is yours. And God wants us in a place of victory. Let me see here. Uh, 
I'll, I'll stop there on that part. I don't have much time, so I must just, I'll just kind of close this down. We understand that the world judges books by their cover. Right? Don't judge a book by its cover. It's the inside that counts. See, we, we know that uh, all these little sayings that we have in the world, um, garbage in, right? I mean, so what are we filling ourselves with? What are we meditating on? What are, what's on the inside of this dish called me? I have living water on the inside of me. And I can pour it out, and it gushes with abundance into this world. And it has the answer for everything that's here. I have the fruit of the Spirit. And I, there is no counterfeit or copycat that the enemy can come up with. But when I minister from the fruit of the Spirit, I have everything that is necessary to overcome what's in that life. Because this love walk that's coming out of me always causes me to triumph. Because it never fails. And now, and now I see that I actually have the Spirit of God on the inside of me, giving me divine counsel, orchestrating my steps. See, why do we need to take time in prayer? Because prayers get previews, right? If you pray about it, you'll get a peek. That's what it does. Anybody like secrets? Go to the secret place. There's a place full of secrets. And if we take our time and not get caught in all these contrary, fighty, little, oh, how did, how did he say all that? that was, I mean, it was tough. I mean, yeah, it, it was tough. He said, When I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature, for you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you're immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready for it, for you're living lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, just ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourself with others? Do you quarrel like children and take up sides? If so, this proves that you're living your lives centered on yourselves. And so, quick, two quick verses I'll just read. Matthew 25, or 23, 25 through 26 says, this is Jesus, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. You want to clean up your outside life? All those peripherals that we're talking about things when we're talking about leading a family and leading your business and leading your, you know, everything that you have? Clean up the inside of the dish. The outside will become clean also. I don't know of anybody in the military that would have complained about a canteen, okay? Because they knew what was inside of it. It was all that mattered. The outside of that thing, beat up, muddy, dirty, didn't matter. Life-giving source on the inside. So whatever you are when you walk up to somebody, 
life-giving source on the inside. Luke 11, 39-41 says this, But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisee, clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you you are full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones. Does this not sound like what Paul said? Yes. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is within as charity or love, and then all things are clean for you. Love will pave your way. Whether intrinsically ornate or as common as earthen pottery, the vessel is not as important as its contents. From a gem-encrusted amulet of water to a plastic Tupperware cup full of diamonds, what is inside determines the value. We need to understand our contents. From living water to the fruit of the Spirit, our value has been determined by the one taking residence in this temple of flesh. Thank you for taking some time and moving our eyes off the outside of our dish to look inward at the precious cargo we carry. And so, Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your words today. Continue to speak to us as we go. We know that you are forever with us, and we know the plans that you have for us. And we thank you and rejoice in them that we will be sure-footed, and we will walk it out in faith, and we will persevere and endure to see that blessed hope that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.